nowadays, angels are mentioned in Christian bookstores and some Christian music and even in some television reruns. Go to a funeral and you might even hear a pastor say that the deceased is now an angel. Well, calling a deceased person an angel is like saying a fish is a flamingo. You can say it loudly, but it doesn't make it happen because it isn't God's design. You can say it wishfully, but it won't make it happen because it isn't God's plan. You can say it sincerely, but it won't make it happen. It isn't God's will. Fish are fish. Flamingos are flamingos. Christians in heaven are Christians in heaven. And angels, well, they're angels. With some, what is now and always and actually only a supporting cast has been morphed into leading roles. Really, the angels are a supporting cast, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the lead role. Imagine with me that when the genius artist Michelangelo was painting the Sistine Chapel in Rome, that he had an artist's assistant, someone who handed him the brushes and the various colors of paint, someone who steadied the scaffolding and gave the artist lunch and water. This I know, that of the hundreds of thousands of visitors to the Sistine Chapel... Zero of them looked at the admiring the frescoes and blurted out, wow, what an artist's assistant. Christ is the divine genius of creation and of human history. And angels are his assistants. Angels are Christ's butlers. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 Give us five reasons that the Lord Jesus Christ is superior to angels. The first reason given in the text is that Jesus Christ is superior to angels because he radiates God's glory. Jesus radiates God's glory. I see that in the first part of verse 3, Hebrews chapter 11. And he, Christ, is the radiance of his glory. Jesus is superior to angels because he radiates God's glory. This uh, word radiance in the Greek New Testament, this word only appears here in this verse, nowhere else. And the term describes the emitting of light, not merely the reflecting of light, the emitting of light. And so this is saying that our Savior doesn't just bounce God the Father's light to us, but that Jesus Christ actually sources God's light for us. This is why the Savior said of himself in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. And this is why the Lord Jesus did not say of himself, I am a reflector of the light of the world. To use an analogy... Jesus is like the sun, S-U-N, and he is not like the moon. There's a chorus that we've sung that has some good theology in it. 
Lord, the light of your love is shining. In the midst of the darkness, shining. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. And so Jesus Christ is superior to angels because he radiates his Father's glory, and the angels don't. In the second place, Jesus Christ is superior to angels because he is the perfect imprint of God's nature. Still with verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory, now watch it, and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus Christ is superior to the angels because he is the perfect imprint of God's nature. You will notice in this part of the verse the expression, the exact representation. Again, like the Greek word for radiance, here is another Greek word that only appears here in the New Testament, nowhere else. The idea here is that Jesus Christ is the perfect imprint of his Father. Outside of the New Testament, this Greek word was used in connection with clay, impressions, and coin stamping. God the Father's being, character, nature, and personality are all perfectly imprinted on Jesus Christ. This is why... The Son of God said of himself in John 14, 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is why in Colossians 1, verse 15, it says of the Lord Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The Greek word translated in Colossians here for image is akon, from which we get our English word icon. It means copy or likeness. Photocopy a color document and you get an exact color copy likeness of the original document. Jesus Christ, your Savior and mine, is the perfect copy, perfect likeness, perfect imprint of God because he is God. Think back, if you would, with me to when the Lord Jesus walked on this earth, when persons saw Christ They saw God. The same cannot be said when persons saw angels. We cannot say that when someone saw angels in the Old or the New Testament that they saw God. No, the Messiah is superior to the angels because he is the perfect imprint of God's nature, and angels aren't. The Christmas song that we enjoy, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Jesus Christ, to say it again, is superior to angels because he is the perfect imprint of God's nature and angels are not. The third reason our verses give for Jesus Christ's superiority to angels is this point. Jesus Christ is superior to angels because he speaks all things to their God-intended culmination. Jesus speaks all things 
to their God-intended culmination. Sticking with verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. There it is. And upholds all things by the word of his power. This phrase, upholds all things by the word of his power, we need to know what that means. And here's what that means. It means that the universe and all that is in it, right down to your life, is constantly being sustained and guided to God's intended end by the spoken commands of the Lord Jesus. And so you can rest easy that there is not one atom or molecule out of place or out of order. There is not one ant who works outside of Christ's supervision. Angels don't have that authority. They are on board the train, but they are not the conductor. Jesus Christ's spoken words are immensely powerful, immensely. He spoke creation into existence out of nothing. And once creation was established, he constantly gives orders to his creation so that it will all wind up where it needs to wind up in the perfect plan and counsel of God. Jesus, and not the angels, is the CEO of the universe. E.F. Hutton, ads of another day, used to say, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. (laughs) But the Bible says, when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks... The universe listens. Planets in their orbits listen. Earthquakes listen. Lunar eclipses listen. Hurricanes listen. Solar eclipses listen. Shooting stars listen. Ocean tides listen. Tornadoes listen. Water spouts listen. Stars in their places listen. Tsunamis listen. When the Lord Jesus Christ speaks, the universe listens right down to every last atom. And so to say it again, the Lord Jesus Christ is superior to the angels because he speaks all things to their God-intended culmination, and the angels don't. And what is the God-intended culmination of his creation? Well, let me list just a few things, not exhaustive list. Faith becoming sight. Hope becoming reality. Love being endless. Christ returning to earth. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. A new heaven and a new earth. Perfect justice, vengeance, and vindication. Every human knee bowing to Christ and every Tongue confessing that he is Lord. Satan being forever in the lake of fire. The unredeemed being confined to hell. No sin in our heavenly home. No more tears or death or mourning or crying or pain. Redeemed persons from every possible nation, tribe, and ethnicity perfectly 
and endlessly worshiping Jesus, the lamb who has been slain. This is where the train of human history is headed. Isn't it encouraging to have a Savior who speaks with that much power? Isn't it comforting to be loved by a Savior who orders all things so that they all will wind up at God's planned final destination? Can we not totally trust him with all of the things that we cannot control? It was Corey Tenboom, the survivor of the Holocaust, who said this. When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. You can sit still and you can trust the engineer. Because he speaks, Jesus speaks, to the intended culmination Everything that he has created. So far, by way of review, we've seen three ways that the Lord Jesus Christ is superior to the angels. He radiates God's glory. He is the perfect imprint of God's nature. And he speaks all things to their God-intended culmination. There's a fourth reason in our text. Jesus Christ is superior to the angels because he finalized Atonement for sinners. Jesus finalized atonement for sinners. Let's read all of verse 3, but the point I'm making from the text is the last part of verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. Now here it comes. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This little phrase, when he had made purification for sins, he sat down, is ought to be very precious to us. Because as a believer in Jesus, all of your sins, past sins, present sins, future sins, all of your sins have fully been purified by the finished work of Christ. They all have been cleansed. None of your sins are indelible. None of your sins are written with permanent marker pens. None of your sins are unpardonable. Technically speaking, the unpardonable sin of the Gospel of Matthew was when persons were alive on earth the same time that Jesus ministered and they saw him doing miracles, could not deny that he did so with power, but they attributed the power on display not to God, but to Satan. And that was called the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. In a non-technical sense, there is one sin that is unpardonable today. It's going to one's grave without accepting and trusting Jesus Christ as your sin remedy. Because there is no purgatory, there is no second chances after you die. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, admit your sinfulness, run to the cross, the cross of love and the cross of cleansing. Transfer your trust to the finished work of Christ alone. God will make you new from the inside out. 
He'll raise you from spiritual death and make you alive and give you the very life of Christ to express in the power of the Holy Spirit who will come to live inside of you. And so, verse 3 makes the point that because the Lord Jesus' work of making the purification of sins is complete, because it's complete, he is now seated at his Father's right hand. He's sitting down. (laughs) The first part-time job I had when I was 17 years old was working in a retail sporting goods store. And many departments, including a shoe department. And one quiet night, there weren't a lot of customers in this big store. I was sitting in the shoe department in a chair that's reserved for paying customers who are buying shoes and trying them on. My manager came upon me seated in the chair in the shoe department, and he went up my front and down my back very sternly. And he said, we do not pay you to sit. If you do not have customers to wait on, you soon will. And when you don't yet have them, there's always something to do. You can sweep the floor. You can tidy the shelves. You can restock the shelves. You can help the man in shipping to unpack the new goods that are coming in. There's never an appropriate time for you to sit down on the floor working. The only time you are allowed to sit down on the premises of this business is during your lunch break in the lunchroom. He was very stern. The Lord Jesus Christ sat down and is still seated down because he has finished his work. There is nothing left for him to do to offer salvation to repentant sinners. He has shed his blood once for all time, the just for the unjust. He is wrapped up God's work of saving sinners on the cross. He's completed the work. It's done. He is 100% finished. And so he is seated. You know, no angel is seated. There is no angel lunchroom where they go and take a seat. They're always at the beck and call of God. There's always work they are deployed to do. There is no angel lunchroom in which they can sit down. Jesus Christ is superior to the angels because he finalized atonement, a satisfactory payment for sin for sinners like us. And the angels didn't do that. The hymn writer, Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat. I wait, blessed Lord, at thy crucified feet. By faith for my cleansing, I see thy blood flow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, Yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The fifth and last reason that Jesus Christ is superior to the angels, the fifth of five reasons given in verses three and four is this. 
Jesus Christ is superior to angels because of the excellence of his name. Because of the excellence of his name. Verse 4. Having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. It ought to ring a little unusual to you to see having become in a sentence that has the subject of Jesus Christ. I mean, how does the eternal Son of God become anything? I mean, he always was, he always is, and he always will be. Yes, absolutely true. But Jesus became incarnate. He experienced birth and he experienced growth and he experienced aging. And in his humanity, he matured physically and emotionally and intellectually. And this is why Luke 2, verse 52 reports, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and men. As a human, the Lord Jesus changed. But as God, he did not change. As God, he did not stop being one thing to become something different. And it is as man, he came to inherit a growing reputation on earth and a growing admiration on earth with at least some of the persons who watched him. For instance, the Jews in the temple as he taught with authority or the witnesses to his various miracles or Pilate when he didn't fight back and defend himself or the soldiers at the foot of his cross who saw him think of others instead of himself behold your mother or his half-brother James changing from rejecter to believer or the one soldier at his cross recognizing his deity, or the church persecutor Saul on the road to Damascus. And this is the point of verse 4. Having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Jesus' name God's name in the Old and the New Testament stands for God's reputation, God's character, God's essence. And Jesus Christ's name refers to Jesus Christ's reputation. And Jesus Christ's reputation, at least among finite human beings who observed and listened, Jesus Christ's reputation crescendoed. It apexed. And ultimately, Christ's reputation was understood to be far greater than any angel's reputation. I know that my reputation as your pastor is important, but not as important as the reputation of this incredible body of Christ because CBC's reputation came before mine. And CBC's reputation is important, but not as important as Christ's reputation. 
because Christ's reputation came before CBC. An angel's reputations are important, but not as important as Jesus Christ's reputation who created them. Jesus is superior to angels because of the excellence of his name. He created the angels. He himself being self-existent without a beginning. He was long before there were angels. And Christ's name, Christ's reputation is more excellent than the angel's name and reputation. Angels, as mentioned, are the supporting cast. And by and large, the supporting cast of angels don't even make the credits at the end of the movie. In fact, most of the angels in Scripture are left unnamed. But in contrast, at least there are 102 different names for the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He is the mighty king, master of everything. His name is wonderful, Jesus, my Lord. He's the great shepherd, the rock of all ages. Almighty God is he. Bow down before him. Love and adore him. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. Jesus Christ is superior to angels because of the excellence of his name. In wrapping up this sermon on the superiority of Christ over angels... It strikes me that Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9 fit in. They dovetail into this truth. The scene of these verses is that we're very near the end of the book of Revelation. And the apostle John got emotionally carried away, and it showed up with him trying to worship the angel who had given him God's revelation. And this is what Revelation 22, 8 and 9 report. And I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had showed me these things. And he, that is the angel, said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. That's plain. Angels refuse our worship because they know that worship is reserved for God alone, as we sang earlier in this service. The angels are not confused. May we not be either. The angels understand the way that it is, that Jesus Christ is superior to them. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for speaking truth by your word to our ears and minds today. We want to say thank you for the ministry of the angels, the way that you deploy them and send them and instruct them to help us. 
We thank you, Lord, for their protection. We know that in many quarters of the world where the church of Jesus Christ is persecuted, that angels protect our brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the other ministries of the angels that you dictate to them. But Lord, help us to remember that angels are your butlers and that you are the master. Lord, we ask this, that you would have first place in our individual hearts, in our individual homes, in this assembly, and in the lives and beliefs of the born-again Christians across this island and across the family islands of the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. We pray these things, grateful to be yours, grateful to be on the train that you conduct, grateful that we can trust you, Lord Jesus, for the things we can't control, which are many. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.